How many got your Bibles with you? Two people. Oh, I know y'all better than that. Y'all got ready for the word this morning. We've been in this series called Peace of My Mind. And I don't, I don't, you know, I've done a lot of series around here, but I think I've, I've had more people talk to me about this series, and I don't know why I didn't do it earlier. I didn't know that many people be, just God be ministering to them through it. But how many of you growing in the Lord through the Peace of My Mind series, amen? Now, one of the things we're doing is we are tr- memorizing the scripture of Philippians 4.8. So how many of you ready to, uh, oh, in fact, if you haven't heard the series, go back and just, uh, Go back into our sermon archives on the app and just go listen to it because it's really good. The notes are in there. You can fill in the notes and study it. But I really encourage you to do it because it's really been, uh, God's really been using it. So I want us to quote right scripture together. Okay, you ready? Everybody ready? Let's go. Ready? Fix your thoughts on things that are true. Well done, everybody. Were you using that screen up there? Is that what y'all will do? <laughs> hey, I don't care how you get there. Just get there, amen? So we've been talking about our thoughts because the thoughts of our life and even the path that we create, and, and we've been talking about switching new paths and taking new paths. And you remember the, the, the one about the illustration about the water. And you gotta, if you haven't seen it, go see the illustration. Too many of you are trying to stop thinking bad thoughts when you gotta quit trying to stop thinking the bad thoughts and start just putting in the right thoughts and watch those thoughts start taking care of themselves. It's amazing. It's amazing what happens when you change your diet, when you change your direction and you change your diet. It's an amazing thing what happens when you change your direction and just change your diet. Things start happening to you. It's just amazing what God's done in our lives. Amen. Just keep doing that with the word. But I want to talk about something else that goes a little further in this that we're I want to talk to you about your feelings. Because too many people are directing their lives based upon what they feel. I coined a term in one of my series some time back that too many people live by feelology instead of theology. And it has now been the dominant thing, even among Jesus followers, that are making dumb mistakes and dumb decisions on I feel instead of what I know to be true. So you can't deny the feelings and the emotions because too many people are making decisions. There are people making life decisions purely based off of what they feel. And it's destructive and dangerous in our culture right now. I mean, dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. And the reason why these feelings come is because of the thoughts that I allow to come in. This is why my mind is not going to be a dumping ground. It is not going to be a dumping ground for Satan. And just because you say you're a Christian does not qualify you to speak into my life. Everything has to be qualified through the grid of his word and the grid of his Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen or an oh me or I didn't know that. (laughs) Now the reason why I want to talk about feelings is because our feelings are based upon what we allowed through our eye gate and our ear gate. That is, let me put it another way. Our thinking affects our feelings which affects 
our actions. I want to say that again. What I'm thinking is affecting my emotions and what I feel, which affects my actions because people are making decisions, action decisions based on what they feel instead of changing their thinking. And the feeling came through the thinking. And how many know our actions affect our outcomes you are experiencing right now? They do. I mean, I, I just, I'm watching people's feelings now just in our country. I mean, people, I mean, I know things aren't perfect. I, I get it. There's a lot of dysfunction in our nation. There's a lot of things that are just not right. And people, I, I, I get that. But I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, love being, I love being positive. The more negative they become, the more positive I want to become. Oh, come on, amen. Where sin abound, grace does much more abound. In other words, there ought to be more grace over the, over the sin that's in the culture. There ought to be even greater grace coming from God to us. There ought to be, people say, well, you, no, look, I think you ought to be as positive as people can be negative. And, and that negative feeling and that, I mean, some people, you know, it's like, I love being an optimist. You know, an optimist is saying, my cup's running over, God is blessing me. But a pessimist feels like my cup's running over and there's going to be a mess. You know, you can really choose how you want to feel. I'm not going to deny the existence of the fire. You heard that prophetic word. Fire is there. Pain is there. It's real. Suffering is there. I don't deny the existence of what you're going through or what I'm going through. I don't deny it or what other people are going through. But here's what I do know. We cannot choose our crisis, but we can choose our thoughts. You didn't choose to have the divorce. You didn't choose to get the diagnosis. You didn't, you didn't choose to make the poor financial decision. Somebody else did, and now you're living in the aftermath of that. You didn't choose that, but you can choose what you think because what you allow to come through your eye gate and your ear gate will come out in what you feel. And what you feel leads to your actions, and your actions are determining the outcome. So we can't just talk about thoughts. we got to talk about feelings because we got to make sure feelings are managed right. I don't know about you, but friends, I want to be that person that keeps on putting the positive word inside of me, the more negative that the world gets. I can't control them, but I know I can take care of me. You can't control your son-in-law or your daughter. You can't control your son, but you can control you. You can't control your parents. You, control, you can't control your employer, but you can control you. Because you got to decide what you're going to be. You can either be a buzzard or a hummingbird. Every day, both of them wake up, and one's going to go feed on dead stuff, and one's going to go look for sweet stuff. So you can be the dead believer, or you can be a hummingbird believer. I want to find the sweet stuff. I'm going to find the good things, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to deny the existence that buzzards are around, but I'm going to choose that my feelings are managed by the right thinking of God's Word. Can I, can I get an amen here? Amen? All right, I'm going to go through this. So y'all going to have to write fast because I'm going to talk fast. I want you to enjoy that sunshine out there today. Amen? Don't you love the sunshine out today? Isn't it beautiful? Amen? Yeah. All right, so what are these feelings, Pastor? So let me just tell you, first of all, you need to know who the creator of feelings. Who, who's the one that's the creator of the feelings? Did you know that God created you with feelings? I wish he wouldn't have done that, but he did. He did. You know, I, I, some people like their feelings like their water, bottled up. But that's not the way to live because God made your feelings. You know, he really did. 
He's the one that caused you to, ex to express love and to feel love. He's the one that put inside of you sadness. He's the one that put the ability of pain inside of you to feel pain. He did that. I I'm, I'm telling you, the happiness you feel, the enthusiasm, all those feelings you have, did you know God created you for those feelings, right? He did. And why did God create us with feelings? Why did he do that? Why would he put that in us? I wish I didn't have them. But why did he put us in them? Why did he put them in us? Because feelings make us more like him. Feelings make us more like him. That's why we have them. So you can't ignore them. But we also know that God created the feelings, but we also live in a fallen nature, so that means that my fallen nature can affect my feelings. And if those feelings are not lined up with God's word, I'm going to make some dumb decisions in my life. Oh, my, my, my. Are you glad you showed up this morning? Boy, I am, because I just hate to be burned in me this morning. Amen. But the scripture shows God has feelings. He's making you like him. That's why you have the feelings, because even the scripture shows that God has feelings. How many know God is emotional? God is emotional. I mean, just read the scripture. Look at him. He, he gets emotional over the plight of widows. That's the reason why one of the strongest ministries our deacons this church has is the ministry to widows in our church. Because God has plight over, over, over widows, over the poor. This is the reason why we have such compassion ministries around the world. We use go serve and you can become a hero so you can find either the felt need or the spiritual need of someone because God, God gets emotional over the plight of those that are poor, poor financially and poor in spirit. God, God has plight over the immigrant. He has plight over that. He, he has a, he, it, it, God is moved by that. How many, how many understand that? God is that way. He's emotional. And scripture says, in fact, you can tell Jesus is emotional because the Bible even says that God is jealous for you. Well, you thought that was bad. I thought jealousy was bad. No, 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 no. How many know that sometimes jealousy is a healthy form and it's a marking of someone's care for you? If it's corrupted by sin, it can be something so destructive. But I thank God that he is jealous for Sam Rifkogel. Because his jealousy for me, I'm jealous for Brenda. Yeah, Brenda's jealous for me. Because it's a mark of care for that person. I mean, that's the reason why people think that God is some, God is some just trying to find something wrong. And he's always got, there's, no, oh, no, 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 friends. Let me tell you, the reason God tells you follow my principles is because of his care for you. Because he knows the outcome of it is there is one that comes to destroy you, to kill you, and defeat you. That is, that's what Satan does. And Jesus is jealous for you because you're his creation. Come on. You're more, I'm more jealous from, for my kids and my grandkids than I am for your kids and your grandkids. That's part of our creation. So why do you think God is always there convicting you and challenging you? It's because he's jealous for you and he's got a better outcome. He's, you're, he's, you're created by. I mean, come on. If Rembrandt just did a painting or Vincent Van Gogh just did a painting, and after it's freshly done, in comes somebody with a knife to steal, to kill it, or destroy it, and want to take a knife and start slicing through the canvas. Do you think Rembrandt's going to watch one of his paintings and someone want to slash it and go, oh, go just go ahead. I thought, I thought it was a piece of junk anyway. 
He didn't do that. He would defend it. He would tackle the whites because it's his creation. It's his painting that he did. That's the same thing God did. You are fearfully, you're wonderfully made. Come on, you are God's workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus. And so if he's convicting you and he's challenging you, it's because he's jealous for you. He sees the beauty of who you are. Oh, my, 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 my. That's why God put those feelings. Feelings help you communicate. Okay, we communicate verbally, but how many of you know we also communicate emotionally? Amen? I mean, come on, you can look at your wife or your husband and go, love you. Love you too. But some, oh, I love you. The emotion that comes out of it changes it, everything. See, Jesus even, listen, even Jesus Christ, God with skin on, he communicated with feelings and with emotions. I mean, he expressed it, and he wants us to show them. I mean, look in Mark chapter 3 when the Pharisees defied him to heal a person on the Sabbath. You can't heal. You're working. And the Bible says Jesus was filled with, they could see it. His indignation came out of him. He looked at them. The Bible says he looked at them with indignation. He didn't look at them and go, heal him. <laughs> indignation, he looked at him. Feelings. He didn't have to say anything. He just looked at him with emotion. Look about the time when he cleansed the temple. When the money changers were there, they didn't care about the people, didn't care about worship. And Jesus turns over tables. I mean, he showed emotion turning over table. Look at the woman that came in. And you remember all of a sudden she started weeping. The sinful woman. The people pointed out, sinful woman, sinful woman. And she starts weeping because she sees the magnitude of the grace and the glory and the compassion of Jesus. She starts weeping and her tears are falling on his feet. And then the Bible says she starts taking expensive one year's worth of oil, uh, perfume. One year's salary worth of perfume. And she starts starts anointing him and starts cleansing his feet and then she takes her hair and then she starts drying his feet with her hair. I mean, she was showing emotion and Jesus let her do that. She wept and cried and then she dried. Oh, I, I love that story. I love that story, ladies. Come on, how many ladies worked a long time on your hair this morning? Come on, your husband knows what you're paying to get that done. Come on, amen. Why do you spend so much money on your hair? Why are you always looking to see what the latest style is? Why are you doing that? Because the Bible says a woman's hair is her glory. It's her glory. That means it's her pride. It's her joy that I've worked hard on this. My hair is my glory. Here's what happens. Here this woman did. She takes the highest part of her glory and puts it to the lowest point of Jesus' feet and says, all of the glory that I have, I don't care what people think. I don't care about the beauty. It all belongs to you. And I wipe your feet with it. What's your glory, sir? Your cash? Your position? Your education, your degree, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, he says, put all that at the feet of Jesus. I don't know why. That's not about emotion. That's just about pure obedience and surrender. Amen? That's what it does. Jesus had emotions. It communicates. It just doesn't help us communicate, but feelings help us connect, helps us connect with people. My feelings help me connect with people. I say the joy. I don't have to say words. The joy, the expression, it connects with people. Look at the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, verse 37, when he's sitting there with the Ephesian elders, the elders in the church of Ephesus, and he's going to say goodbye to them. And the Bible says they start weeping, and they start embracing, and they give each other a holy kiss, and, 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 and they're expressing emotion. Why? Because it connected to people. But some of y'all did it today. You're sitting there laughing. You're connecting with emotion. It helps us connect to God. Your emotions help you connect to God. Now, I know some people may have been uncomfortable during the praise and worship time. I hope you get more comfortable like with it because I'm going to tell you, that's going to be the activity of heaven. Because I just want you to know, 
that it connects you to God, the expressions and the feelings that you have during worship time. God's moved by it. You say, well, I don't know. I think we need to be more dignified. Well, then you're going to have to change your Bible and take out Psalm 47, 1, because it says, oh, clap your hands all, A-double-L, all you people, and then start shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. There's emotion. There's feelings in worship. It connects me to God. God inhabits the praises of his people. He literally comes into the joy and the expressions of your feelings, your emotions. Oh, oh, get this, get this. How many have already been blessed in service today? Okay. Oh, I, I love it, when, when, I love it when, when, when God moves on me. But did you know you can move God through your feelings of your worship? There's this scripture out of Zephaniah chapter 3. I love this scripture. It is so good. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, it says, He, speaking of God, will rejoice over you with gladness. He will rejoice over you with singing. This doesn't mean you're singing. It means God's singing over us. And that word rejoice there in the Hebrew literally means to leap and to spin in a circle. Did you know that God didn't just get to me? Sam got to God today. Think about that. God's just not getting to you. You're getting to God. He says, while you're rejoicing, while he's telling Israel, dance and rejoice and celebrate, he says, I'm up there spinning around, dancing around, going, have you seen them down there at Grand Rapids first? Have you seen that lady back there on the back row? I'm telling you, she's, I know what she's going through. He rejoices. Oh, how many of you like to just move God for a second and let him just get happy over us worshiping him? You're connecting to God with your feelings. Now, he created those feelings. It's connecting you to people. It's connecting you to God. But you got to check those feelings. Feelings can either be good or bad. One was intended to be used to be more like God, and one can make you less like God. It can be good or bad. I mean, anger. Come on. Anger, can, can, anger out of control can destroy a person. But anger channeled the right way can actually help you do Act against something that you know is wrong because of your anger. I mean, think about it. You know, you may see a moral offense, and your anger about that moral offense helps you motivate to do something. It, it, could, it could be about a godly social reform or injustice you might see, that anger. It, it, it could be used for something positive. I mean, I mean look, at, look, at, look, at, uh, look at MAD, you know? I mean, look at that, the, the, how that, that changed. You know, Mothers Against Drunks Driver. It was just because someone... Yeah, I think Cindy Leitner, she, just, she got stirred up because her 13-year-old got killed by a drunk driver. Think about that. They believe that because of her act, it has cut drunk driving incidents in half because of her actions of anger against drunk driving. Think about that for a second. It turned in the right way. How I many know joy and laughter is good to have? Okay, it's a release valve. When I start laughing, it's a release valve for me. And when I laugh, I just start having a good, it's just a release valve for me. That's because Proverbs 17, says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. It didn't just, can I tell you that people who are spiritually just look like they've been baptized in formaldehyde, they're not just sapping their own energy. How many know they sap your energy? They're just a joy sucker. I love being around people with joy, but that same joy, if not used right, can be a bad emotion if it's used at the wrong time. It can be horrible. It can be insensitive to somebody. It can be offensive and hurtful. Sadness. Sometimes sadness is appropriate to be sad. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to grieve. 
Especially when you, some, you lose something so, so precious. It's okay to grieve. It's got to be healthy to go through it. I know there's some people don't think you should be sad. No, you should be a believer. You should always be up. You should always be up. You should be up. You should be a person of faith. You should, you should, you should never, you should be joyful. You know, go, be joy. Sometimes I'm just not joyful. I'm just not joyful. It's not a lack of faith when I feel sorrow. When I have healthy grief. It's not, it's not a lack of faith. It's not, it is not a lack of faith to go through sadness, everybody. Because my Bible tells me Jesus was a man of sorrows. That's what it says, a man of sorrows. Does that mean he walked around and, go, <laughs> and you're always in grief, you're always in sorrow? That's not what it means. It means that he went and he went into the pain of people because he is touched by the feelings of your infirmities. He is touched by the feeling of what you're going through. God is touched by that, and he would go into the feelings of people. So, like Jesus, you should go into the feelings of people and help them manage that feeling to be a healthy emotion and a healthy response to touch their lives. That's the reason why I love Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for the night, but how many thank God joy does come in the morning. Amen? Fear can be, a, fear can be something that could be used in a right way. It can immobilize you, or it can actually motivate you. Some of you might be so afraid of the economy, you're sitting there watching the Dow Jones every day, looking at your 401k, sitting there in fear, you're sitting there, man, I gotta hang on to everything. It's all going down. Didn't you hear what they said? It's all going down. It's going down, Pastor. You're, you're getting all you can, canning all you get, then just sitting on your can and doing nothing with what God gave you. Because you're in fear. You are scared to death that someone's going to get your money. But I'm going to tell you something. That fear can motivate you to do things the right way and God to use you now and your resources. You start saying, God, guess what? I'm going to surrender it all in faith. I'm going to be a tither. I'm going to manage my money. I'm going to practice delayed gratification that I don't have to have everything that my friends and the neighbors have to have. I'm going to be able to sow into works of God. And I'm going to trust you, God, that you're going to supply all of my needs according to my riches and your riches and glory because I've taken care of your word and I've trusted you in all things. You don't have to, that fear can motivate you to do something right. But determining whether a feeling is healthy or unhealthy depends on how you use it. When feelings are used healthy, listen closely, when they're used healthy, it makes you more like Jesus Christ and God himself. But when we let those feelings become toxic, it makes you less like God to the people around you and the people we're trying to influence. Out of balance, Unhealthy use of emotions makes us less like God. So let me give you the big idea. Let me give you the big idea. If you don't walk, if you, if you get anything, get this today. All right? We're going to talk about this feeling. Because too many people are making decisions based on what you feel and your outcomes you don't like. Here's the deal. Feelings may be true, but they are not truth to live by. I'm going to say this again. What you're feeling may be true, but it may not be the truth whereby you make the decision you're making right now. And the reason I say that is God created us with emotion, but because of sin in our life, feelings will always tell you the truth about yourself. But it does not always tell you the truth of how you should live. Okay, let me just go through it again. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Some of us are making it, well, I feel. Okay, the feeling is true, 
but it may not be the truth you need to leave by and you're making your decision based on. Let me just explain this. King Saul is now king. He's disobeying God. God puts his hand on another King David. What happens to King Saul? Watch this. He has anger and rage comes out of him. He's throwing spears now at the guy who's defended him and protected him. He goes into deep depression and his anger and depression told him the truth about what he was, what was going on inside of him. It told him the truth. You're angry. You're mad. You're insecure. You're afraid a young guy is getting ahead of you. More people are praising him than they're praising you now, King Saul. Listen to this. But it didn't tell him the truth on how he should live. It told him the truth about him, but it didn't tell him the truth about how he should respond. How many mistaken with me on this? God's plan for him, for Saul was, Saul, the reason why you're experiencing this stuff is because you have just rebelled against me. You are not listening to me. And because of this, this is the outcome, your anger, your depression, this insecurity, is because you are not obeying me. And what God wanted him to do was to overcome his anger, to repent himself, and then offer forgiveness and acceptance of David, who he now treats like an enemy. It was true what he was feeling, but it was not truth for the way for him to live. I'm going to go on another one for a minute. Well, I just don't feel we're in love anymore, Pastor. Our marriage, we've just fallen out of love. Okay, you may feel that. What you're feeling is the same thing like King David and Bathsheba felt. Church folk, are we all ready for this? Okay. David had strong feelings for a woman he saw naked. It was a true feeling that he had. God put those feelings, that feelings of attraction to the opposite sex, he put that in a man and a woman. He had strong feelings toward her, and she ended up having strong feelings to them. Those feelings were true. But those emotions did not tell them the truth about the way they were to live and the next decision they were supposed to make. I'm telling you, theology is destroying the American Christians, and it is destroying our country. When we're doing gender reassignment, on a child because they simply feel something, it may be true what you're feeling, but it is not truth to live by. Okay? So you're at work, and your physical intimacy between you and your spouse is not what you desire it to be. And you feel like there's something wrong with me. It may be a true feeling. And now you go to work and you see this other woman wink at you across the room. And now you've got this feeling to go that direction because somebody is finally showing me affection. It may be true what you're feeling. Now, now it's wrong because she just has something in her eye and you think you're really great. <laughs> I'm telling you, some of you are making decisions in your marriage that the feeling, I'm not denying the existence of your feeling. It is true. But it is not the truth to live by. It is going to destroy you. You will deal with an aftermath. 
you may have true that you may feel attraction to someone of the same sex. You may be feeling that truly, but it is not the truth to live by. It will destroy you. So there has to be a higher standard than Sam Rifle will run around saying, I just do this because I feel. I feel, because I feel. I feel neglected. I feel insecure. I feel fear. There's got to be a higher standard for you and me than just saying what I feel is going to determine the actions, and my actions are now giving me the outcome that I have. The higher standard than, my, than Sam, even your pastor's feelings, my own feelings, my own inner struggle, whatever that is for you, the higher standard is surrender to the I should, not I feel. Okay. Give me, give me a few extra minutes today, okay? I'm going to get you there. We're going to get there. I want you to say that with me. I want you to audibly say that out of your heart, from your mind, out of your heart. I want you to declare this. Let's say it together. Ready? Surrender to I should, not I feel. Sometimes we act out of I, out of I feel when the word of God and the Holy Spirit says, no, you should. I want you to think to a moment right now. Think to a moment that you can identify an emotional experience that you had. It may have been anger at a church member, someone in business, your own family member, your in-laws, your husband. I want you to think of an emotional moment when that experience of what you felt emotionally led you to the truth about how you felt. Think about it. Some of you, it's coming to you right now. You already know. You already know. I want you to remember, it spoke the truth of how you felt but did not tell you the truth about how you should really live. I want you to think about that. How many of us, all, how many have one right now you're thinking about? Yeah, okay, all right. How many of you lie? Please, others, raise your hands, please. Thank you. We're all thinking about it. Now, what's God trying to teach you and me when that happens? What's he trying to do? What he's trying to teach you and your pastor is he's trying to teach us to redirect our feelings not just our thinking, because our feelings are coming from what we're allowing in our thinking. What he's trying to do is, Sam, I want you to redirect your feelings to follow me so that you become the best version of me, Sam, the way I created you. I want you to redirect that feeling. So in other words, if I line up my feelings with what God is saying in his word, he's going to give me the right, wholesome, emotional experience, even when I have to redirect my feelings. How many with me so far? So I'm coming in landing, okay? You ready? I'm going to give you two quick things. Ready? Here we go. So if I got to check my feelings because of the fallen nature of who I am, I've got to check those with God's word, and it should be Sam Reifel, well, you should, not what you feel, just because someone speaks in tongues and then cusses you out does not mean you treat them like a format or, okay? What should you do? Not what you feel you should do. What should you do? Redirect that. So what do we talk, how do we control our feelings? Ready? Number one, two things, name it. Everybody say name it. You, can't, um, you, cannot, you cannot manage a vague feeling. You can't manage it. Pinpoint it, 
and identify what you're truly feeling. If it's, if, it's, if it's a grief that has gotten out of control, if it's a sadness or a depression out of control, if it's an anger or bitterness, if it's a toxic attraction that's gotten out of control, just name it and say what it is. Be honest of what you're feeling. Because I must name my feeling in order to tame my feeling. You won't tame it if you're ignoring what it truly is. So just call it what it is. Name it. And then ask these three questions. I'm not going to land on these very long, but ask these three questions. What's the real reason I'm feeling this? What's the real reason I'm feeling this? King Saul was feeling that because Saul, back again, was disobeying God, rebelling God, and God is jealous for him, trying to get his attention. You're going to destroy yourself, man. Why is the real reason I'm feeling this? Secondly, is it true? Is it really true? I mean, is, am I creating this in my mind? Do I always feel like everybody's after me, that everybody's against me? Do I always feel this? Is that really, really true? Find out if it's really true. And is it the truth to live by? Okay, here's the last thing. This feeling I have right now, is it helping me or is it truly hurting me? Am I really getting ahead in this? Is it really helping me? Because if it's not helping me, then I need to respond the way I should, not the way I feel. How are we doing? Okay, amen. Here you go. Ready? So name it. Just call it what it is. Ask the questions and tame it. To succeed in life, you got to master your mood. There's some great people I know that are very talented, but they will never be promoted because they will never bring their feet. You just need to express yourself. <laughs> what if you're a jerk? <laughs> what if you're a jerk? Don't give your kid that advice. Your kid's a jerk. So what do I need to do? How do I tame that, Pastor? Sometimes you need to switch what you're feeling. Just switch it. You need to switch it. In other words, Philippians 2.5 is a great place to land. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What does that mean? That means I instantly dismiss anything that is toxic that is hurting me. Now, some people might say, you're hurting my feelings. Well, <laughs> sometimes it's you're not hurting their feelings. You're actually bringing to surface something that needs to be identified because they're not dealing with the true feeling. Okay? But let me just go on here for a second. Instantly dismiss a toxic feeling that doesn't make you more like Jesus. If this doesn't make me like Jesus, then I'm going to dismiss it. If I'm experiencing greater fear over my marriage, greater fear over my money, greater fear over I'm going to die, greater fear of I'm afraid to live, if it gives you more pride, well, they didn't look at me, and how come they're not paying attention to me, and I got my rights, if it's bringing more pride, if you're envying what other people have, their promotion, the money they have, you, their, their kid got that, but your kid didn't get this, I want to tell you, if you're feeling more bitterness, then you need to say, this is a toxic feeling. God, what should I do according to your word? And then use your pain that you're feeling in that feeling. Use it for good. Make it a great ministry. Make it a great ministry. There are people that have ministries today. It was out of, it was out of the pain of what they felt. And they used a toxic feeling and turned it into something to change other people's lives. Think about that. Sometimes it's not switching. Sometimes it's just surrendering. Just surrendering that feeling to Jesus. Surrender to God. You cannot tame a wild emotion with just your willpower. You can't do it. I can't deal with my grief with just my willpower. Brenda can't deal with her grief just with her willpower. I'm going to tell you what it takes. It takes truly surrendering everything at the feet of Jesus Christ and asking his Holy Spirit to do something 
that no one on the planet earth can do but him. The Holy Spirit, when you get in his presence and you say, God, this feeling I'm having, I know it speaks true to what I feel, but it is not the truth to live by. Can I, can I challenge you to take that into the presence of God in your worship and not condemn yourself because you have this feeling, but say, God, would you help me to show me what I should do and help me to follow the direction of your word and your Holy Spirit really says? Because I'm telling you, willpower just doesn't do it. I love what Zechariah 4, 6 says. I love this. It says, you will not succeed by your own strength or by your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, all-powerful. He's the all-powerful one. I like what Galatians 5, and 23 says. It says, but the fruit of the spirit, you want the fruit of the spirit. God, I should have a, there should be something different in my approach. He says, here's the fruit, but it's from the spirit. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, self-control, self-control. Where does that come from? It comes from surrendering and saying, God, I know this feeling. You can help me manage this. Because I will tell you, there are things on both sides of me. There's the flesh, there's Satan trying to influence my feelings, but then there's the spirit. And only the spirit power can really help you manage and the word of God to manage you to give you the right emotional health and response. Only he really can. We'll take you to one story and then we're going to just pray and ask God to help us. In 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 16, King David, he's, uh, he's coming closer to, toward the end of his reign. He has a son named Absalom. How many remember that story about Absalom? Go read the Bible. It's a really good story. But his son Absalom wants to overthrow King David and take his, his kingdom. His own son, his own kid. Okay? And so David has to flee for his life. He's got a few of his, he's got his men with him. He's fleeing, leaving the, leaving the palace. He's taken off. He's leaving the kingdom. And he comes to a place called Bahurim. And when he gets to Bahurim, he, 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 he meets this guy. He encounters this guy by the name of Shammai. And Shammai happens to be a descendant from the tribe of Benjamin and a relative of King Saul's, who God booted out because he wouldn't deal with his toxic feelings. Destroyed him because the feelings were speaking to something that was a deeper problem he wouldn't deal with. And so now, here's Absalom trying to overthrow King David. And Shammai comes and he sees king, the king. I mean, it's like the president is like the president of, of a nation. And when Shammai sees him, there's no honor. He starts yelling at King David. You're a murderer. And then he takes rocks and he starts throwing rocks. He starts throwing, I mean, you can see he's just wigging out. He is just wigging out. He's throwing rocks at King David. And then he's throwing dirt. I mean, he's throwing dirt. And he says, you're a murderer. You're a scoundrel. God's paying you back for what you did to the house of Saul. There's blood on your hands. And now Absalom is going to take your throne. And he's yelling this at him, yelling at this. And I mean, David is king. We have secret service that could take this knucklehead out. And he's throwing rocks at him, cursing him. You're getting back what you deserve for what you did. And I'm going to tell you, King David may have danced before the Lord, 
But I'm going to tell you something. He was no perfect angel, buddy. He had some high dysfunction in his own family and in his personal life. But he had a heart to follow God. It's amazing God's grace on us. Amen, church? Well, here's, oh, here's King David. We got this guy wigging out over here. And then <laughs> Abishai, one of his mighty men, goes, his secret service says, who is that dirty dog throwing rocks and dirt at you and cursing you? He said, I'm going to go over King and I'm going to chop his head off. I'm taking Shammai's head off. I'm taking it off. And David stops. He's already feeling insecure. His son is already trying to take his throne. You're in a very vulnerable spot. You've lost everything. And David looks at him and he says, who are you to say that? Maybe God wants him to say that on me. Maybe that's what God's wanting for him to say this. Because David knew he was no church choir boy. Maybe this is, maybe this is God. So he's got two people wigging out on him. Two people wigging out with their feelings. You're a dirty dog. And, and, and as he's going, Shemai's not done. Shemai is going the whole way and he's throwing dirt on him. I mean, can you see this guy just, I mean, it's, it's just a silly picture. Here's David and he's throwing dirt. The guy's throwing dirt. You're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. You're, you're good king. You're not a king to us. You're a scoundrel. You're a murderer. Look what you do. You deserve this. And he's just throwing dirt, wigging out. And David's just walking on his horse. And Abishai's over here going, I'm going to kill him. Okay, let me just say the word. I'm going to take his head off. I'll take it off. I'll take his head off today. And look what David does. He surrenders what he's going through to God. He did this right. Watch what he says. 2 Samuel 6, 12. He says, maybe this is what God's doing and he wants him to say it. Or he says, it may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. Bottom line is, I'm going to do what God wants in my life. Not with this guy over here who's acting like a total, total weirdo. And then you're over here trying to get me to do something so I can, because I need my security. He said, I'm going to listen to you. I'm surrendered to this God. And Shemai is still wigging out. You got people wigging out on you. And your feelings want to go, wow. But what does God say you should do? What's the Holy Spirit showing you? And that's what David does. And I love what verse 14 says right after this. It says, the king and all the people with him arrived at their destiny exhausted. Believe me, what you're going through is exhausting. But, and there... David refreshed himself. I'm telling you that if you will surrender it to God and switch it, Jesus, what does your word say? Holy Spirit, give me wisdom and strategy on how to approach this. Put good people around me to keep this in check. What I'm feeling, to challenge this feeling, to name it. Lord, it'll be tamed if I surrender to you and follow you. Guess what happens in the end? Your healthy emotion actually ends up refreshing you at the end of the day. You become refreshed. How many thank God that he gives you all the power you need 
that your feelings will be healthy and not toxic to destroy you. Amen.